The reading today is by Reverend Scott Alexander, a Unitarian Universalist. Uh, he's published a huge number of works um, on various topics. And uh, the title of this one, We Need a Religion. In a world with so much hatred and violence, we need a religion that proclaims the inherent worth and dignity of every person. In a world with so much brutality and fear, we need a religion that seeks justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. In a world with so many persons abused and neglected, we need a religion that calls on each of us to accept one another and encourage one another in spiritual growth. In a world with so much tyranny and oppression, we need a religion that affirms the right and conscience and use of the democratic process. In a world with so much strife and inequity, we need a religion that strives toward the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all. In a world with so much environmental degradation, we need a religion that advocates respect for the independent web of existence. In a world with so much uncertainty and despair, we need a religion that teaches our heart to hope and our hands to care. May it be so. I chose the title, Where Are All the Unitarian Universalists, for this because that was a question that I'd been asking myself as I read or uh, hear the news more these days and read it. As the title might imply, I believe that the number of Unitarian Universalists is, shall we say, a bit lower than some of us might like. According to the Unitarian Universal Association, there are approximately, I round these off and the figures aren't you know, up to date today, but approximately 250,000 of us who are members of Unitarian Universalist congregations, allowing for that many again who attend regularly but aren't members, many of whom are probably dragged by their parents. Um, and we number in total about a half a million in the United States. That's considerably less than one-third of one percent of the population. And as that absolute number has remained fairly steady, plus or minus a few, for the last couple of decades, as a percentage of the overall population, we're declining. If there's, in other words, if there's strength in numbers, our strength is one. There are probably as many reasons for this trend as there are individual Universalists, we are fiercely independent and individualistic. But I want to share three of the many thoughts I've had, which I find in myself to a greater or lesser extent in my own attitudes and behaviors that may be uh, contributing to those low numbers. Not a scientific review or rehashing of studies. Uh, those figures I just mentioned are the only ones I'm going to use today. Uh, but rather to bring up points for contemplation and conversation, a spiritual conversation, if you will. The first is our unwillingness to be definite about almost anything. As I started to write this sermon, I realized that within its title, I had inadvertently done something that I believe is part of that. I had asked a question. That's what we do, isn't it? In fact, we proudly put that sentiment into one of our hymns, even to question with an answer. Well, I've always 
actually had a bit of a problem with that line because it's not true, is it? It may be a necessary beginning to finding an answer, just as admitting one has a problem may be a necessary beginning to solving it. But by itself, a question is unsatisfactory. Certainly, it's unsatisfactory as an answer, and much less as the answer. Yet the answer is what many, dare I say most, who are dissatisfied with their current religious community are seeking. Other religions are very definite about what they believe. They are passionate about sharing that message, and they're unapologetic about the righteousness of it. They offer a very specific way for a newcomer to find, obtain, receive the answer. Now, what's the first thing someone seeking a new religious community learns about us that we don't and can't give them an answer? Any answer. Then there's our unwieldy name. If there's one lesson the 20th century has taught organizations and institutions, it's that marketing matters. And any competent marketing analyst would say, Unitarian Universalist doesn't exactly roll off the tongue or lend itself to Twitter. Why, all by itself, it's a significant percentage of the characters allowed in a tweet. So we use the acronym, which immediately makes it harder for anyone not already on the inside to come inside. Acronyms are for insiders, and they make it obvious especially to outsiders, who's in and who's not. And boy, do we love our acronyms. We even string together extremely long, complex, awkward-sounding sets of ordinary words in order to make a cute acronym out of it as a back formation. I had a whole list of them. I won't bother. I uh, feel inundated by them over uh, the last several weeks reading the GA emails. Not a pretty picture. But on top of the relatively difficult pronunciation, there's the historical meanings of the names Unitarian Universalist. Say Unitarian Universalist three times. Fast. Uh huh. Unitarian. How many people who consider themselves Unitarian Universalists can explain, much less accept, the doctrinal distinctions between the Unitarians and the Trinitarians? I have a harder time understanding the doctrine of the Trinity itself to begin with, but that's a different subject. So, I mean, that's what the name Unitarian is all about. The Universalist, as in salvation, is universal. The Universalist movement was at first an English and then mostly an American, 19th century American uh, movement, as a reaction to the Protestant denominations which held to the ideas of predestination. God knows all, therefore God already knows whether what your whole life and whether or not you're saved and the doctrine of the elect, that those who are saved are already chosen, can be identified on earth. So the Universalists, on the other hand, preached that everyone was saved. That the loving God would welcome all of us into his heaven. So then, based on our name, someone who's not already a Unitarian Universalist would conclude that we're anti-Trinitarian Christians who believe in the one God. Not exactly the message, I think, that we want to convey to people who might be considering stepping through the door. While I hope we'd accept someone who did have that set of beliefs, in my experience, those aren't the most common among us. And we certainly don't require them. 
happen to be a member here. And perhaps more importantly, are those terms and distinctions at all relevant to us today? If so, why? How? And if they are, why don't we teach them as part of, you know, what any major institution has to do, and that's teach the people who become members, the history, the, the norms, the culture. And if they aren't any more relevant, then have we attached new meanings to those words that are relevant? If so, what are they? And why don't we teach them? No, I think what we have is you know, an anachronism, not an acronym. An anachronism. We have two names that served a very particular purpose once upon a time that have been attached to what we are and what we try to be without too much thinking about them anymore. And that leads to confusion when people are trying to figure out what's going on. And then lastly, why are there so few Unitarians? Our lack of evangelism. It's a notion that I struggle with. My embarrassment over telling others about the good word. And I don't think I'm alone. In fact, I think most of us almost relish the fact that we don't go out of our way to tell people. Some of us are good at it, but not everyone. The title of an otherwise excellent book uh, published by the Unitarian Universal Association of Deacon Press is Our Chosen Faith, a collection of essays describing what the authors that are uh, represented in it believe about Unitarian Universalism. And one thread that runs through all of those, as its title implies, is that Unitarian Universalists deliberately choose to be so. In other words, people find us. We don't find them. Kind of like a secret club. I know I found my own way here. But I already knew about Unitarian Universalists, having grown up with it, sort of. That's another sermon. Uh, but had I not, today I would probably be attending an Episcopal church. As my brother uh, is fond of saying, oh yeah, all the history, none of the Pope. <laughs> or perhaps not attending church at all. How many Catholics or Hindus choose those faiths? How many Muslims or Presbyterians? People certainly choose to leave a faith that doesn't meet their needs. But for all except that tiny number who receive direct enlightenment, to choose one, requires knowing that it exists. As a very wise man, my brother, once said, if you don't know you have options, you don't. I've been a member of this congregation for over 10 years. I've heard the words, have your elevator speech ready, at least once a year from this pulpit. So now I've covered 2017 for anybody that uh, needed the reminder. But I still don't have my elevator speech. I don't have the 60 to 90 second synopsis of what we're about to provide to the, uh, a, a curious uh, acquaintance or casual stranger when the topic comes up. I hem and haw and, and try to think, what does this person want to hear, you know, in this time that we have? And then I don't have words ready. And for those who have been around the 10 years that I've been here, my not having words ready, that's not very common. <laughs> Um, and unlike many of you, thank you, you know who you are, I haven't, I haven't brought, I haven't brought someone as a guest, as my guest, I haven't invited someone to come to church with me, uh, in all that time. Meant to, thought about it, lots of excuses, haven't done it. 
And uh, so today in front of you all, uh, in the words of another wise man, I need to be the change I want to see in the world. And the change I want to see is more nuclear versus. So I want to do something about that. I want that because I firmly believe that what Unitarian Universalism has to offer is incredibly valuable and needed perhaps now more than at any time uh, in my lifetime. In and of itself, it doesn't offer the answer. It has no creed, no doctrine, no dogma, only questions. What it does offer are ways to obtain the answer for yourself. It offers support in the search for spiritual truth. It provides meaning to that search through fellowship and community. And it provides a way to build a moral framework that doesn't depend upon because this or that text said so. In a time where so many are working to highlight and even magnify the differences between us, a time when so many forces are arrayed against acceptance of those differences, a time when basic human rights are under assault from so many different directions, and what more basic rights are there than the freedom to speak, to love, and to worship? As you will. Unitarian Universalism offers a way to find the holy within yourself and the divine within others. To see the unity of all and the universal in the individual. That's what Unitarian Universalism means to me. Now if I could just get that down to under a minute. But I haven't figured it out. So where are all the Unitarian Universalists? Like the truth. They're out there. We just have to search for them. So let's go help them meet us. I could go on for another, but I won't, because that's my message. Um, if you would rise as you are able, for hymn 170 in the gray hymnal, we are a gentle, angry people.